0: Do you have anything for the intro? Um <clears throat> I was thinking about something today and now of course I, I need to start like journaling mm-hmm. for intro ideas because I had one and then gosh, I can't think of an idea of something.
1: I don't, but since you just finished watching the Wes Walker video, let's just talk about that. Okay. So what are your <laughs> you you literally put it off? until you could not put it off any longer and you just watched it the five minutes before we started recording
0: normally like <laughs> with Moonhooch, uh-huh. like your, your uh music recommendations i'll go home sometimes <laughs> and like pull it up because i'm like oh yeah th- there might be something here i l- i took one look at wes <laughs> welker no walker walk right see i'm gonna do that the whole time um and i was like nope not uh and I was like, I'll do this later. And then I literally totally forgot about him until yeah. right before this.
1: So my question is do you think that is serious or do you think it's a joke?
0: That one's serious. I'm I'm ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure. Mm-hmm.
1: See now he has he has three videos on YouTube. He has that one. He Jordan has a, Belfort. He has Jordan Belfort, which I'll talk about in a second. Which is in the same vein as the "Pop the F Off," mm-hmm. which you didn't watch that, right? You didn't watch Jordan Bell. Yeah, I did. Oh, you did. Okay. Did you watch his other video, his first video? Then
0: that's the only I scrolled through like the little recommended, whatever, linked, uh-huh. and all the other ones were just like lyrics. Yeah. And so he's so got I one, one like- more
1: that is just like t- a totally just like a goofy college video where it's like. And that's the only one that is has left me question. Now, I certainly think there's definitely seems to be a level of seriousness to it. But there's also, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, it seems to be so tone deaf.
0: It's it's Chet Hayes. That it's,
1: like, exactly. It's, like, there's no way anybody in this video can actually think this is serious, Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, there is. Yeah. I... You look into the dead eyes of all the people <laughs> making up that video and you see that this is this is their ideal life. Right. Like this is it, man. Right. They've they've made it and I mean, you could argue that he's doing like a lonely island type of thing, mm-hmm. but their satire is obvious mm-hmm. and it's funny. And this one, well, sometimes it can be funny. Yeah, that's a big yeah, okay. stretch. I, yeah, I stretch. <laughs> but 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 you listen to them. I think I think Lonely Island is the best kind of, um, you know, comparison. If you're asking if this guy's serious, right? Because for them, you can see that underneath it all, they think that they are good performers. Mm-hmm. You know, like the production is high and all that. Mm-hmm. If it's funny, yeah, give or take. But with this. This seems like the epitome of the American dream via college Gen kids. X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A uh, privileged
1: Privileged college. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is, the, I had a, a bit of a revelation when I was watching it. As I was watching it, the first thing I realized was that 90% of the people in these videos in five years are going to be, like, accountants and teachers. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, all these guys running around with their shirts off and pouring beer and puking everywhere, and the girls who are basically naked. Like, they're just going to sort of mesh Rolled. into regular society, <laughs> yeah. right? You know what I mean? And so I thought that was kind of a weird thought, but then I started thinking, like, you know, I tend to... Uh, lean on the belief that our media has a, a pretty good influence on our society. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go so far as to say like violent video games, make kids violent. Right. Or, you know, rap music is ruining the black culture, but I definitely think it has an effect. Right. Right. So I started to think like, Maybe the issue is not that this music. Maybe the issue is just that. And this is going to sound really harsh. Maybe the issue is just that these people exist.
0: <laughs> no, I think that's pretty. You uh, know what I mean, that's the right accurate Like, respect.
1: And it's and it's and I think it especially is pointed when you when we talk about the Jordan Belfort video. Right. Because it's based on the Wolf of Wall Street guy. Obviously, it's it's. They're they're doing their own version of the movie in the video, and it's like, first of all, you start to I start to think about like I came away from Wolf of Wall Street thinking, you know, you, you the argument can be made. A lot of people would say the movie doesn't need to condemn Jordan Belfort because the actions speak for themselves, right? But then you know, two years later, you've got all of these college kids who don't get that message no you know what when, I mean? the,
0: when this reimagined one apparent it's the FBI loosely right it almost looks like it could be like a rival mob mm-hmm. or whatever busting with guns and all the workers beat up the FBI agents right. <laughs> like they beat the crap out of them <laughs> right. so like in this new reimagined the one source of kind of regulation right. and reality that breaks in is Gets beaten up. So, I mean, that's there. And then when you think about, you know, just like the other thing that I wonder about Gen X especially. And I I am pretty ambivalent about a lot of things, including drug regulation, Mm -hmm. like legalizing marijuana or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But the one thing that always got to me is like you watch a late night show or whatever. And as soon as... Somebody mentions, like, pot or weed, people cheer, mm-hmm. right? And I couldn't help but think, like, do people love it that much that they have to cheer? Or, like, are are they really as high as they're presenting themselves to be? So, mm-hmm. like, in this song where, like, Jordan Belfort, like, part of the chorus is, like, you know, he's losing track of how much molly he's mm-hmm. taken Whenever somebody guess verses which in the within the first three sentences, he's talking about like i'm just I'm high, mm-hmm. like all the time mm-hmm. and part of that makes me think like, is that just like Gen X posturing? like is this the new when we were growing up? like if you look back at clueless or whatever media that was going on when we were, mm-hmm. there's always the the overly sexualized person who secretly is a virgin Mm -hmm. and that like ran through all of, from can't hardly wait to like whatever, like Mm -hmm. there was your standard in a teen movie over sexualized. That person's a virgin. Mm -hmm. Now it seems like it's the blissed out, like baked out person who's always high. Yeah. But then I'm always like, are they like, are they really like, Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, Uh, I don't know. It, it, to, to me it's all posturing and, and again it's like when does the posturing end? and in the reality take take hold yeah you know like i would love to actually sit down and talk to some of these guys and then be like well, i never tried weed mm-hmm. you know what i mean or like Molly's well, yeah, scary and i think like you said most of that is
1: posturing a lot of those a lot of those those sort of when you take those extremes, it ends up being like the one kid who's like a fringe case. You know what I mean? And it's like that. It's like, Oh yeah. Remember that kid? Yeah. He, he was like drugged up all the time. And now he's just like either dead or he's homeless or he's in, you know what right. I mean? And most of the time it is just like, yeah, we were just kind of exaggerating getting into
0: well, it. Well, I, I know that they're exaggerating, but I'm wondering about like, f- like further looking at the culture. Like I, I, I am too far removed from Gen X to get them, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't get them. So when I look at their culture or their media that they're producing, that's what I kind of have to go on. And the other thing that made me think, if I want to get your take on this, that, so Wes Walker. Right. So he was obviously, like, he's a skinny white kid who can't find a suit that fits him. Mm -hmm. You know, one of those... (laughs) type of guys Mm -hmm. and whenever i see people like that i'm like these are kids who are co-opting a another culture Mm -hmm. to hide in it in order to feel more empowered Mm
2: -hmm.
0: right is it like you look from chet hayes to like a lot of these white Kind of well, I think that is clearly the case
1: with Chet Hayes.
0: Exactly, and and I don't think that about every white rapper. Like I think Eminem has a real perspective within the rap community that he's bringing to it, right? But then you see these like, and normally they fit like a physical type, yeah. Where you are like is this somebody who was bullied or with the threat of being bullied? They ran so Uh deep into a culture that basically is all posturing. All you have to do is sing about money and being high all the time. And you can get women in bikinis to show up and dance for you or whatever. And you're, you're safe there. Right. Mm -hmm. But you have no connection to the culture. Like you, you, you have no perspective on it other than I'm safe here. Like Mm -hmm. I've, I've covered myself enough in, in a crew and people enough who will tell me like, yeah, dude, you're, you're really good, man. Yeah. Let's make this video. When reality, you're just a loser white kid, you know, Mm -hmm. who is afraid of getting bullied Mm -hmm. for being who you are.
1: Yeah. The, um, the thought that I ha- the final thought that I had about it is that uh, and this again is tying back into Wolf of Wall Street because I feel like Jordan Belfort and Wolf of Wall Street has become will become if it hasn't already the scarface to white privileged kids what scarface is to mm-hmm. poor underprivileged people you know what I mean like I haven't seen scarface in a while I can't speak on whether it's like a actually a good movie if it holds up or anything. It's not a good movie. Right. But it's like I know that Scar, that Al Pacino, that movie, is not a good person. <laughs> no, not, not somebody that people, and yet you go th- through, you know, it was like it became a, it's like a it became a running joke on Cribs. It was like all these rappers, every rapper's house you go into, they've got to have their copy of Scarface that they show off or their poster of Scarface, you know what I mean? It was like right. he f- somehow became the voice of...
0: He's iconic, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I feel like Jordan Belfort is moving into and is that like does Martin Scorsese have any responsibility in that none
0: none none no I think I I I think especially now being removed from a few years the take that Scorsese is tone deaf in that film is preposterous Mm -hmm. just the length of the film is enough of a commentary on what he's saying about this culture. Mm -hmm. It is, it is excess, right? This is a portrait of excess, modern day excess. And I think that that take is completely wrongheaded. Mm -hmm. And I think it's actually so smart that swings back around like Scarface where rich white privileged kids can look at it and see, a a distorted hero Mm
2: -hmm.
0: when reality you have this sad man you know who like all these white sad rappers are hiding they're they're trying to buffer themselves from the world so much Mm -hmm. that they feel safe because they really don't have anything right to offer right uh and with jordan belfort it was finding this way to exploit people and running headlong into that, getting enough money where you feel insulated, right? So you have like the way he treats the FBI. He doesn't care about them. They're a real threat, Jordan, right? And that's part of the whole (laughs) film is like, these guys could really mess you up and you don't care Mm -hmm. because you've insulated yourself so much. But that's what you're looking for, that safety. And with this guy, his videos are a testament to that. That's his insulation, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Every, with every single video, I imagine him at night, home alone, watching them over and over again, <laughs> telling himself, "You've made it. You've made it. Look at this video. Uh-huh. You know." Yeah. Meanwhile, what a thousand <laughs> views on. I don't know. Is he getting big? How'd you even find out? Uh, about
1: him? I saw a link from some someone. There's like a moment in the vi- in one of the videos where two of the white kids go to like give daps. And if you freeze frame it at the right time, you can see it's actually, like, they're actually just, like, hitting wrists together. It's like a super awkward handshake. Right. And I just saw that linked on some website. I can't remember. So I then I watched the video. And it was one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, let me check this out. And then three hours later, I've, like, watched every Wes Walker video. <laughs> I've researched his past. And I've visited his SoundCloud and listened to his mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it it wasn't it was not good Uh. (laughs) all right I'm gonna uh, we're gonna take a break So I was, uh, we were in, we were in bed on, I guess it was Saturday night, Mm -hmm. flipping through the channels, trying to find something to watch.
0: Do you still channel surf? You don't just open Netflix. I feel like no one channel surfs anymore. They just, it's always scroll. I scroll through my, my list. I can't believe you guys still channel surf. Yeah. I mean, if we're like,
1: what do you, if we're trying to figure out what to watch, I'll see, kind of see what's on TV. I mean, usually we end up watching something on Netflix or HBO go, but we, I was looking through the channels. We were uh, looking through the channels. I don't know what I was expecting to find, but I was just doing it. And this is the end was on, was on FX
0: uh, the edited version. Yeah. Right, yeah, the
1: edited version, which is a movie that we saw together in the theater, mm-hmm. right? And I I liked it a lot. I thought yeah. it was really funny. And so it's on TV. It's right at the beginning. And so I think, like, I'll give it a shot. We're, like, 15 minutes in. Um, I'll see what Julia thinks of it. And it's at the party scene, right? And it's like... It's it's great and I feel like everyone would like it just because there's so many famous people in it and they're right. all getting like killed. Killed or they're playing like over exaggerations of themselves. But this is the first thing that caught my attention is it uh, we were watching the part where Mike, Michael Sarah gets killed. Mm-hmm. So he's standing on the lawn yelling at the party and he says something with the f word in it, right? Mm-hmm. But instead of the F word, because it's on TV, he says flipping. And literally 10 seconds later, he is impaled with a light pole that goes all the way through his back, out of his chest. And he's bleeding everywhere. And then he's lifted 20 feet up in the air and then dropped into a pit of lava. And I'm thinking, like, if my 14 year old was awake at... 10, 15 p.m., I would much rather him have to hear somebody say the F word than see somebody impaled with the light post and Mm -hmm. dropped into the center of the earth. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then not too long after that, you see like Aziz Ansari's arm ripped off. And then you see, well, actually, we didn't make it that far. But you know what I'm saying? It's just like this is so our standards are so bizarre. You know what I mean? That was so weird to me.
0: So, I mean, a few interesting things. Number one, that you changed your fictitious fourteen-year-old to a boy. <laughs> I, I realize because that you have two girls. Saying it right, <laughs>
1: I don't know why. So I, did I that. found that really interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other thing too is, I guess, I guess this is where I would say, d- does the fact that, and, and this is something I've thought about, and you can correct me if I'm. Way off, because I haven't been able to articulate this well in my own head. Mm-hmm. Let's see how it sounds coming out of my head. probably not not good. Um, but so so the argument against censorship in media goes something like this: The representation of violence and mature content in video games and movies has no relationship to somebody's actual behavior, right?
1: I don't agree with that.
0: But I'm saying the general yeah. the general argument against right. censorship is that. Right. Now that that falls apart as you get into the details. So very few people would have a problem with uh Kim Jong il mm-hmm. being killed in a movie for fun. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people would have a problem with misogynistic jokes being said by a character. Mm -hmm. So there are moral lines that are drawn in the sand that seem to relate to actuating behaviors. So I don't have the ability to assassinate Kim Mm Jong-un or ill, either one of them. Um, One of them's dead already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... I do have the ability to be a misogynist. There, therefore, that behavior needs to be a little more thoughtful mm-hmm. and some would say regulated out of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so given that scenario, you know, I can say the F word as a 14-year-old. My parents may not want me to say that. I cannot impale somebody with a telephone pole, and lift them up and throw them in lava. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, isn't that kind of the fundamental difference of those behaviors in terms of representation on TV and stuff?
1: Sure. But if we're just talking about pure violence, I can just as easily go out onto the sidewalk and be violent to somebody, to some random person, if I felt like doing it.
0: Exactly. But where's the connection with the media? At that point. And that that again is the argument of the anti-censorship people that you can't make the connection between I played Call of Duty, therefore I shot up my school. Mm-hmm. You know? But you can say, I like Michael Sarah, he said the F word. I'm 14, I'm gonna say the F word.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? I mean, that that in my mind is is something that I've always thought about. Because I feel like, in the end, it always gets subjective. And I listen to a lot of movie podcasts, right? And it comes up every other month where somebody is then, you know, wailing against censorship in America. Mm -hmm. But then I'm also like, you know, a nuanced view wouldn't just be like, the MPA sucks. Okay. Now push a little bit into that idea and talk to me about your views on censorship. Because at some point, your views kick in right mm-hmm. it's not an endless pit of everything's permissible mm-hmm. um but that's my that's my rationalization of why violence is so much higher and sexual content um and language may be more controlled than violence is because those activities are actionable by the people who view them whereas violence well, is Well, I would more- argue
1: that sexual content is just as Easily or difficult to ex to um you know actuate actuate than violence is. I mean you you have to involve another person somehow.
0: Rape. That's where we get into rape culture, sure. right? Take sure. what you want. Women don't give me what I want. I'm going to go shoot a bunch of people now. You know, because they're not giving me what I want. Sure. So I mean it. It is that I I think that's and that's part of the danger, right? And and that's part of what we were watching. Hot girls wanted, right? Mm-hmm. We were watching the documentary Hot Girls Wanted, and they were viewing like all these women on, you know, uh music videos mm-hmm. and kind of talking about and in some ways relating to those women. And the the documentary doesn't go way out of its way, but it does draw a connection mm-hmm. between like maybe these are girls raised on these images of sexualization. Mm -hmm. So when they come of age, it's a lot more understandable for them to be sexualized, Mm -hmm. that they don't have to make a big leap in their mind to pornography because it's like, no, this is our society and guys are sexual and blah, 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 blah. And so, yeah, I mean, part of me thinks of wonders about the connection there. I, You know, I obviously don't really fall in the lines of censorship very strongly. You know, I don't have a problem with sexual content in a lot of, you know, the culture. But there are things that make me, you know, feel Mm -hmm. like...
1: Yeah, I just found it weird. That a word is being replaced and then I'm literally watching this person.
0: Yeah. In my, in my to death, in my rationalization, I think I've tried to understand it that way.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, quickly. Do you remember Tyler Strickland?
0: Name sounds familiar.
1: One of Julia's friends. Yes. He did the score for hot girls.
0: I heard, I heard that. How crazy is that? Elise told me. Yeah. Yeah
1: um but anyways this is the end
0: i can't remember the score at all so N- neither did.
1: okay <laughs> um i mean well it's also it's like it's a documentary right so you yeah. don't really think of a score when you right. think of a score you think of like a film right. like a like a movie like a narrative film you know what
0: I mean? at the same time i've never written a score sure here,
1: so. um but this is the end so we watch that party scene funny stuff right so I'm like, well, let's just. Um, I really don't want to watch this stupid FX edited version, especially with because some of the gags later on are are all v- like vocal. I don't know if those are going to be edited out.
0: Yeah, how are they going to do the uh, right scene?
1: Yeah, um, so we searched for it on demand. Is on demand is like two bucks. So we're like, let's just watch this. And I still thought it was funny. <laughs> But it's definitely a guy's movie, <laughs> so
0: yeah. So she yeah. did not enjoy it, <laughs> yeah, no. like, like at all. Or uh, I just don't think out. she's really that into it. Yeah,
1: it wasn't like terrible, but I just don't. It's it's just a it's a guy's movie. You know what I mean? Like a lot of those jokes, I think are kind of guy centric.
0: I hesitate to ask what what you mean by that. Some of they're just kind of like
1: gross. They're just kind of like. I feel like a lot of them especially with the like a lot of Seth Rogen stuff even like mm-hmm. super bad.
0: What about Bridesmaids? Have,
1: yeah, but that's not I mean that's that's different. Like I'm I'm talking I'm talking about like Seth Rogen specifically with this is this is the end or super bad or any of the movies in between. A lot of his stuff speaks to a very specific growing up with the best guy friend relationship you know what i mean and that that, this is the end is this is kind of the same thing whereas i feel like a lot of the stuff in super bad where it's like jonah hill and uh michael michael sarah are like it's this it's this friendship that from an outsider's perspective looks pseudo homosexual i guess but it's like i think if you grew up white and in the suburbs you probably had a friendship like
0: that you know what i mean you can relate
1: to it and i think it speaks to that kind of same experience
0: except in real life jonah hill didn't grow up to be jonah hill the actor he grew up to be wes walker right (laughs) hiding safely in that subculture yeah
1: so we both watched a movie called creep it's on netflix um, how did you hear about it? Because I saw it on your letterboxd, and then...
0: That's the first time you saw it? Mm-hmm. Oh.
1: And then I think I remember you mentioning it to yeah. me or something. And then I saw it on your letterboxd, and then somehow I realized it was on Netflix, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so I just watched it. So how did you hear about it?
0: It played at a film festival. I can't remember if it was Sundance or mm-hmm. something, but... Mark Duplass, I you know I don't follow Mark. It's interesting. I don't follow Mark Duplass, but the people that I do follow, I feel like I I do follow him because somebody that I follow, I don't know who it is, retweets everything that Mark Duplass. Oh, really? Tweets basically, <laughs> like he's always in my feed, and uh, I I haven't sourced it yet. I know I just need to look up and see like who's retweeting it, but yeah, so. I saw around like Sunday's time or whatever, Mark Duplass is like, oh, this horror movie. I'm really excited for it. I hope you all like it. And um, I was like, oh, horror movie. You know, I like Baghead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, I'm interested in another of his takes. I'm, I like Mark Duplass, but yeah, I, I was interested in another one of his takes um, on horror. So I'd been looking forward to it for like a few months and then I knew it came out on VOD but I couldn't justify a purchase just based on some of what I'd read. Mm. And then before you know it, it's one of those things where it's like a week ago, I'm like, Oh, am I going to spend 499? And then a week later it's on Netflix. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, well there it is.
1: So it's his take on horror and found footage. Yes. So what did you think of, what did you just think of the movie in general?
0: In In general, it has the issues that every found footage horror film has. Uh-huh. It has a, what I think is a great central performance by Mark Duplass. I think the other guy is a complete blank, Mm -hmm. like not blank canvas. We can put stuff on. He's literally a blank. Right.
1: Patrick Bryce. Right. And he's also the director. director. Right.
0: Um, And so, you know, in one way I do respect, you can see that he like really wants to do this small film. Mark Duplass was like, maybe I'll help you out and Mm -hmm. then help them out. And he was like, I'll just put myself in this. Right. He's not, a compelling screen presence yeah. at all. But overall, for Mark Duplass, I thought it was good. But story-wise, it has specifically one issue that I'm just like, you know, there's a new kind of stupid, like just a stupid plot detail. Mm-hmm. And found footage, again, stretches, stretches that conceit. That's what I wanted to talk about,
1: first and foremost, is can found footage actually ever work as a movie as a like a style yeah as like a trope as a storytelling device yes are there any examples
0: Blair Witch Project I think works um and that has like I've watched it not just a million times when it first came out which I did but frequently since then and that movie holds up that movie holds up I love that movie. I'll stand by the first Paranormal Activity, Diminishing Returns on that series. Mm. But I think I think that has some interesting critiques on it. And then in terms of what you can do with found footage, there are specific ideas that work. Actually, I'd also put up a film called Lake Mungo mm-hmm. to you, which no one has heard of. Mm-hmm. Lake Mungo is a different take on found footage in the sense that you're kind of watching a fully cut documentary. Mm-hmm. So it does kind of work from the context of like, who edited it? It's like, you're watching a documentary. And it is done really well. So those are my three submissions. Blair Witch, Paranormal, Lake Mungo. I guess my problem with
1: it is, it's, it's just because of the nature of found footage, you're going to be constantly questioning why they're filming, right. it's like the it's like the movie's actively challenging you to right. not believe what is happening. Right. And that's what bothers me so much about it. And even in Blair Witch, and I guess maybe not so much in Paranormal Activity, I don't remember it as well, but it's like there are still going to be moments where you're like, why are you filming this? Right, You know what I mean? It just makes no... And then, like you said, who's editing this? Why are they releasing it? It just seems... It just seems, I don't know, tricky, I guess.
0: Well, it's tricky. And again, it makes me, it was the same question I had with Jurassic World, which is how much do you want me to be questioning your film, right? Like in an ideal world, your film represents a wholly coherent universe Mm -hmm. in which people act in a way that makes sense to the rules of that universe. And I, as the viewer, should be able to suss out, if not all the rules, most of them to explain behavior right Mm -hmm. but in found footage films it again creates this weird no man's land of how much do you want me to be questioning your conceit right Mm -hmm. because in some senses any found footage conceit will always have a limit it will always have an end because no one's going to film that like Cloverfield The guy is out of shape, and he's clearly, like, referencing it throughout the thing. Mm -hmm. He's filming, like, as he's walking across a building that's on another building. I was going to
1: say, don't they film themselves, like, jumping across buildings or something? Yeah,
0: (laughs) and he's like, oh, I'm so out of shape. And it's like, dude, you're you're holding it. Put the camera down, right? right? So now some of that is self-aware enough to be like, hey, we know. Wink, wink. You know, have a good time with it. But then with, with movies like Creep or definitely horror movies, mm-hmm. you want to say how much of you are trolling the tropes of horror. So there's a scene in Creep where he hears a noise outside. What does he do? He gets his freaking camera. Of course, he walks outside. He hears a noise in the back. What does he do? He leaves his front door open and he walks around to the back and he's mm-hmm. filming the whole thing. And that whole time you're thinking, you're not going to leave a camera running on your front door? Like, I just lived through somebody scaring me at my place Mm -hmm. after that i didn't take the trash out without locking the front door behind me because i'm like that's that's Mm -hmm. you know step one of feeling safe when you feel somebody's trying to get in your place is to make sure your door's always locked when you're outside it yeah and so on that stuff you're like yeah you do you want are you just saying like horror movies people do dumb things you know i like that you're feeling frustrated right now that's the point Mm -hmm. you know or are you kind of like oblivious to like well, we need him. We need a fake scare. So Mm. go back there now. And it's Mm. like, and leave the front door open. ah, Whatever. (laughs) Screw (laughs) it. Go back there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And creep is full of those. I mean, there's a lot of like, he's filming them walking upstairs for some reason. And then they just happen to have, start having this conversation on the, you know what I mean? It's just, Mm -hmm. there's, it's full of those moments. Um, what was your, what's the big plot device that bothers you?
0: So the big thing for me, and I can't remember his sister's name, which. Angela. Angela. I don't know why I thought it was Audrey or whatever. Angela. That's who,
1: supposed to be his wife, Mark Duplass' right. wife. Right.
0: She isn't even credited in the IMDb. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I went there to try and find her name. and It wasn't there. I was right. like, oh, f- screw it. If they don't care enough, right. I don't either. Um, okay. So in the film, Mark Duplass's character, Aaron. No. Aaron's Joseph. the filmmaker. Aaron's Joseph. the filmmaker. Joseph. So Joseph says that he's married to Angela. Mm -hmm. He has cancer, and he wants this guy to film him for a day.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So so yeah, so Mark Duplass hires Aaron to film him for a day because he has brain cancer, inoperable brain cancer, and his wife is about to give birth to their son, and he wants a record to deliver to his son.
0: Right. And so... I, so, okay, you kind of know already. Well, you know something is up just right. because the
1: movie's called Creep. Right. <laughs> so so you know that's not the whole story. And Mark Tubeless is a total weirdo throughout exactly. the entire thing. Which
0: I love, like, like from the very first scene where he's doing a tubby.
1: I, I almost could not get through the really? tubby stuff. That really oh was, man, I,
0: I thought, exactly, I thought it was the perfect, with yeah. like, you know, just like in at the end, how he turns it at the end and kind of uh-huh. like. I I I love that. I, thought, I I thought that stuff really worked, but what didn't work is him bring up Angela. Later on, I feel like at the end of the film, there's some point where I think he references because you find out that Angela's really his sister mm-hmm. that they're estranged. That he doesn't really. I think
1: so. Halfway through the movie, Joseph no Aaron drugs Joseph. Joseph passes out. Aaron takes his phone. As he's taking his phone, it starts ringing. So he sneaks into the bathroom to answer it, and it's Angela. So he starts talking to Angela. You find out Angela's not his wife, doesn't have a wife. Angela's his sister, and she's telling him in not so many words to get out of the house any way he can and just leave really cryptically yeah and she never goes into detail why she just basically he's like am i in danger and she just says just leave right or or whatever just run
0: get your car later yeah and so i'm sitting there and i'm thinking number one because i think when i think it is when joseph there's a moment after that where he's like I'm being real with you. I'm being honest. He's like, I don't have family. I don't have friends or whatever. And I believe that. I think at that point, he's still being manipulative. But I I do believe, I'm like, yeah, I could see this guy being estranged from his family. So number one, why is Angela calling him? (laughs) That that night of all nights, why Mm. is this estranged sister calling him? And then what does she know about what he does? Because then the further reveal is he's killed... Hundred Right. He's a serial killer. He's a serial killer. He's killed a lot of people. Right. Um and so Angela what, Angela knows, like, you know, at a dinner party, what is she saying? Oh yeah, my brother, I think he's kind of screwed up. I think he kills people. I don't (laughs) really know. Right. I'm going to call it. You know what, guys? I'm going to call him. I'm thinking about him right now. I'm, I'm going to call him. <laughs> and then there's a guy, and she's like, uh, get out. And then what does she do? She goes right. back to the party, and she's like, yeah. I just kind of warned this guy. I don't know. Maybe something's <laughs> going to happen to him. Like, what's her involvement? Like, yeah. why would you even bring her up and bring her involve her in this story yeah. if you're not going to further, like, detail what's her connection mm-hmm. to this? And, like, does she feel no moral compulsion to save the lives of countless of people who have been murdered by her brother? Right. I don't. I that frustrated me to the yeah. point where I was like that, that's stupid. That yeah. is a stupid development.
1: Yeah, and you also at that point didn't need any further reason to get for Aaron to want to get out of the house, right? He already wanted to get out, he just couldn't find his keys. So it wasn't like Aaron himself or we as an audience were on the fence on whether or not he should be there or not, right? We were already like, okay, th- he needs to he needs to go. He needs to get out of here. So it just is a little bit of overkill. It, they just sh- I guess they showed their hand a little bit too much maybe.
0: Yeah, and and I felt like, you know, is this a product of these guys who are like thinking they're killing it, like mm. dude, we're killing it with this found footage film, like let's or How did that development get decided on? You know, it's just it's just so frustrating when crap like that, you know, crops up. Mm -hmm. And then also, I just want to touch briefly on the final kill.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the ending?
0: All right. So Um, the
1: end of the movie, he blah, blah, blah. They do a bunch of stuff. Aaron goes to meet Joseph in a park so they can make up, I guess. And he just sits on closure, have 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 closure. closure. Aaron sits down on a bench overlooking a lake and Joseph walks up behind him and axes him in the head.
0: But, but stands there for a long time and puts on the the, wolf mask. What was he called? The wolf mask. Peach fuzz. Peach fuzz. And the peach fuzz dance Uh is great. That beach And I also like the idea that this is a guy who like Kaiser Sose is making it all up like usual Mm -hmm. suspects making it up on the fly that you know, what Aaron finds this peach fuzz head. And mm-hmm. then he's like, I'm, I'm going to make a dance up right now. Right. Like that's it. That's part of his invention in the right. moment. I like that uh, thing about that too. But yeah, no. So yeah, Aaron just sits there through it all, you know? And it's like, if somebody's staring at me from 30 feet away in a crowded room, I can, you can feel that stare, you know? You look mm-hmm. over you're like, so part of me thought, and again, the, the movie kind of references this at the end that Aaron is somehow complicit in his own death mm-hmm. because he's so trusting, I he's guess, so naive, naive mm-hmm. trusting these, like, "You told me to wait here. I'll just wait with my back turned, you know, mm-hmm. that again, I'm like, they had to have known because they comment on it. Right. At the same time, It's a dumb way to go, especially (laughs) in the middle of a park in broad daylight Uh where I wanted to then look at all the rest of Joseph's kills and be like, does one happen in a Starbucks? Like, (laughs) you know, just like he's waiting in line, he chokes him out, just strangles a dude and everyone's just like, oh, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, I like the ending just because I was really expecting, I wasn't. I was hoping for it to end the way it ended in terms of Aaron getting killed, but I was not expecting that to happen. You know what I mean? I was expecting them to just go some other way with it. Um, what did you think of the final jump scare?
0: I loved it. Yeah, that was great. I love, yeah, that, that, that was great. And (laughs) that's hilarious. (laughs) Exactly. And that is a reason to make a found footage film, right? Like, (laughs) like I have a found footage idea like of an image in my mind that I would like to see in a found footage film that I think utilizes the aspects of a, of a camera because you think about what's great about found footage is you have another eye that reveals images that a character may not be aware of. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is the hook of why you would do found footage. Cause you can capture images on there that, uh, that the people can't see. And if you can find inventive ways of doing that, I think you have a, have a hook. Mm-hmm. You either need that. That's my take on it. Or you just need a great idea of like, Hey, what if the guy just like scares himself and then scares (laughs) you by scaring himself and then reacts to the scare? Like that cyclical, that's enough where I'd be like green light it. Let's get that going. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was all right. Um, I think the, to its benefit, it's only like 75 minutes long. Oh, exactly. Really short and it moves fairly quickly Just because Mark Duplass is good. He's playing Mark. I mean, his roles, he's playing himself, right? He's playing Mark Duplass. Always. Always. Uh, But that's not necessarily a bad thing. I like Mark Duplass. And he does a good job with it. Um, So, you know, I would recommend watching it. Although, if you have listened to all of this and now you know all of that stuff, I don't know how well it's going to go over with you. You know what I mean?
0: Spoiler warning at the beginning. Sure. Guess, or, or at the end here. Hey, spoiler <laughs> warning.
1: Hey, we just spoiled that movie for you. Uh, you watched the movie called Kung Fu Elliot?
0: Yeah. Okay. So this is going, to, if this is okay with you, I want this to be kind of the spoiler podcast. Okay. I don't want to have to worry about plot details because I want to talk really in depth about my reaction to some of these movies. So, okay. Go right if ahead. If you're okay with me spoiling Kung Fu Elliot for sure. you. Sure. Okay. Kung Fu Elliot. It's a documentary. Elise accidentally, she had like a student prime account, then re-upped mm-hmm. because we forgot to cancel it. So now we have Amazon prime mm-hmm. for a little bit. So I go in there and I find this documentary that played festivals. I think it was two years ago or something. And I heard some good buzz about, and then some toxic buzz. And so those are what I'm interested in these polarizing films. Right. So I see it's there and I'm like, okay, um, At least I watched a movie and then right after that movie, I just fired this one up. I was like, I'm knocking this out Saturday night. Uh (laughs) So it's basically about a guy who fashions himself Canada's only or best martial arts action film star. Okay. And he makes his own kind of films on just low quality consumer grade uh, cameras Mm -hmm. with his girlfriend um, and this film kind of documents his attempt to make his magnum opus blood fist. I think it's mm-hmm. called. Cool. <laughs> so it starts to play out like American movie, almost exactly like American movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Just quirky, weird side characters, which is a bizarre leading man. Except you start to realize Elliot has a much darker side than the guys in American movie, mm-hmm. and he starts to get more and more troubling in his behavior as the documentary goes on, and starts to have more and more problems with, um, his girlfriend. So at some mo- at some point, the f- documentary shifts from being about, hey, let's watch this you know quirky guy make this you know low low budget action film to let's watch this guy destroy his life and the life of people around him. Yeah, And I had some questions and issues about the nature of the documentary because I was like, what were these documentarians doing when they got into this? The whole documentary crescendos in a blowout Mm -hmm. that he has with his girlfriend. She's constantly trying to get him to propose to her to marry her and she gets more and more frustrated with him and his crazy kind of pursuits as the documentary goes on so finally they have a confrontation this Mm -hmm. film also goes some really weird places because he goes really weird places Um, including some kind of like nudist orgy Mm -hmm. that (laughs) one of the actors in his film attend. So he goes and tries to play it off as like, look, I just hung out with my friend and he likes to go places. I just want to go spend time with him. I didn't do anything. Right. When in reality, he's really trying to get in on it as mm-hmm. as much as he can. And so his, his um girlfriend uh, confronts him and now being confronted with his lies, he gets violent kind of, he threatens to, what what is he threatened to do to his neighbor? It's like a true detective threat. <laughs> it's like a way over the top. Right. I'll gouge your eyes out and eat them or something, you know? Then he, then he comes back over because uh, when his girlfriend was away on a trip, one of the neighbors said, there's a girl who got dropped off at 1.30 a.m. She may have been a prostitute. Uh-huh. And he's... It's from work. And she went to a bar and blah, blah, blah. And it's not It's not adding up at all. Mm-hmm. And so finally the girlfriend or Elliot, but somebody references the filmmakers and then they just, they just, they're like, check his Facebook. He says he, he had a conversation. Check his Facebook. If it's, if it's there, then you know he's telling you the truth. If there's no conversation in his history on Facebook, he's lying. Mm -hmm. And she's like, open up your Facebook. And that's the last straw. He loses it on this filmmaker and actually goes and attacks them. And that's kind of how it ends with him throwing a drink, and then attacking the documentarians, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, you know, you you've captured a situation to play it out, right? Obviously, like I don't think you staged any of this. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if you were worried about objectivity, you would have kept your mouth shut, right? You would have allowed this argument to play out right. amongst the principal actors, and you wouldn't have just been like, "Here's how you resolve this. Do that, right." You could tell these documentarians got fed up with their subject of their documentary and mm-hmm. were done with him. Mm-hmm. Like by that time, they hate they hated him. And it's and it shows. And then the final wrap up is all in like text. Like he basically disappears and they don't know where he is. You know? Hmm. And um it actually is kind of like creep where you have this like confrontation that goes blank and it's like, so after that confrontation, I got away from him. And right. you know, and like <laughs> that's exactly what's happening here. But it made me think, like, so what What was their highest hope of making an American movie to, like, mock this guy who mm. is not tal- as talented as he thinks he is, mm-hmm. is making this low-budget film? And then all of a sudden it shows that, like, oh, wow, the people that you try and laugh at, they actually might have issues. And they right. actually might be jerks and a-holes and ruin people's lives. And mm. you're basically just documenting, not, like anything that everyone can laugh at or not a character that we can laugh at, but a character who's destroying themselves and other people. And then what are we left to do with as an audience? And then when you insert yourself in the story, like you did at the end Mm -hmm. for, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy finish. I just can't help but thinking, what what was the purpose of this? Mm -hmm. You know? So am I left to be like, wow, mental illness is rough. Or am I left to think, like, wow, the world is a crazy, crazy place? Mm-hmm. You know, or am I left to think, like, well, that was a documentarian, uh, uh, like, um, effort that blew up in their face, like, mm-hmm. experiment that didn't go well? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what, at what point they decided to keep making their film, and then what the purpose of their film was when they realized, this guy's a Chronic liar, mm. possibly bipolar. You know, so Violent. let's keep filming. I uh, I think you know it's interesting. I
1: think uh I think some of it probably has to do with like self awareness. Like when you think about American movie came out in like 1994, mm-hmm. that sort of niche didn't really exist. Right, And even if it did, there wasn't really an internet to where people could just pile on it. right? Or all of a sudden you've got mass collections of look at all of these people who aren't super talented but are super delusional about their talent. And you couldn't listen to a podcast of people making fun of you or go to YouTube videos where there's thousands of people just ripping you up. You know what I mean? So... I so some of that is probably it could potentially be like yeah we want to make, make the next american movie but at this point in our society it's impossible because everyone is aware of the internet like everyone is at least somewhat hyper aware of their image and how it could be like manipulated or posted on youtube to be made fun of or mm-hmm. you know a local news clip or whatever um, so I think that if anything, that could be it, it could just be, you know, this guy is uns like, like you he said, he's mentally handicapped where he's unstable, which I think is what a lot of these people are. And it's like, yeah, at some point in my life, you would watch those things. And you'd be like, man, this is hilarious. But now I've gotten to a point in my life where it's like pretty much 99% Percent of the times I see something like like that, I'm thinking, like, uh, like is somebody going to offer this person help? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I understand what they're doing is crazy or they may be a little delusional, but it's like that there's probably a more serious problem going on than just somebody being completely delusional.
0: Right. And I, I just, I guess I don't know how to take stuff like that because... You know, I I get in, in the begin in the beginning, it's funny to hear him spin himself. You know, right? And then the film does take a turn later on where you just have all these people basically saying, "Here are all the lies that he's telling. We don't believe anything." Yeah, and you know that the filmmakers withheld some of that from early in the film, trying to make him seem more benign than he is. Mm-hmm. And then you just feel kind of like cheated and i guess i understand or tricked you know i I guess i understand that documentary that term especially in today's age is really squishy Mm -hmm. you know because now through whatever reason whether it's you you it's a it's an issue doc that you're trying to make a point with or reality tv has pushed you to create a narrative so catfish Mm -hmm. The fact that people were ever questioning when it first came out, ooh, is it all real? No. There was a point where they realized what was going on, and then they wanted to make their film the way that it was, right? Like, there's no way that you approach that shed in the dark like they do in the (laughs) film, which was what hooked me on the film in the first Mm -hmm. place, knowing what they know, right? right? You're totally doing that for, for the film. And now we've gotten to this place where it's widely accepted that, like, yeah, this is... Created, withheld, right? Um capturing the freedmen's right. Great documentary, really troubling when you you know start pushing in, finding out about how they edited things and what they did with some of the mm-hmm. evidence and how they rolled it out. Like they're telling a compelling story. Right. And so in this, what's your compelling story? This guy's mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yo should what's what's my obligation as the viewer to this? Person, mm-hmm. right? Am I supposed to laugh at him, deride him? Am mm-hmm. I supposed to shake my head? Am I supposed to have some kind of commentary on our celebrity culture and mm-hmm. worship? You know, I didn't get any of that. I feel like, you know, go go make a documentary about real mental illness and say something about it. Mm-hmm. Or don't just, don't show me a guy who's like, watch this guy hang himself. Right. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, so recommendation: yes or no?
0: You know, I mean, I'm really conflicted. Yeah. Like as a as a story, it's it's bananas. Is it on Netflix? It's on Amazon Prime. That's oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. So okay. it's it's on Amazon Prime. I mean, if you could get it for free, there's worse things to watch. And I guess for the dialogue that it inspires afterwards, like mm-hmm. go on my letterbox. I wrote a little thing on there, like. Mm-hmm. Put in the comments like what your take on it is. Because right now I'm really conflicted. And as a documentary, yeah, it's compelling. But then as soon as you start thinking like, what were these document like what were they doing with the footage at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. You know, were they laughing at it? Were they high fiving? Right. Yeah. Um so yeah. All
1: right. You also watched the movie called Wild Canary?
0: Wild Canaries, that is on Netflix. Okay. And I guess we, we kind of went long on the other two, so I kind of threw this in there as a placeholder. Uh-huh. But I think I think we have enough stuff, so I'm just gonna be really quick about sure. it. Um, Wild Canaries is like a, like a fun riff on like Woody Allen Manhattan Murder Mystery. I think that's one Woody Allen I forced you to watch.
1: I have not watched a single Woody Allen movie.
0: Well, it was in this house actually. I remember <laughs> I brought it over and I forced. Some people watch it. I thought you were among them. I know, I know Bill was. I'm sure I've
1: seen a Woody Allen movie, but I do not remember.
0: Right. So the basic premises. I know
1: I've seen Match Point, which I don't think really counts. Yeah, I mean it's a Woody Allen movie, yeah. but it's not like a Woody Allen movie. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like uh, it's one of the new Woody Allen. movies. Watch Crimes and it stinks.
0: Is it, no, it doesn't. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're sidetracking me. I'm getting back on track. <laughs> so, uh, Wild Canaries is basically. Uh, in this New York apartment building, mm-hmm. um, a neighbor turns up dead, and these two roommates um, suspect foul foul play and it kind of rolls out as a farce a mm-hmm. comedy murder mystery farce it 's an american movie mm-hmm. and um, it has one of the most annoying central characters, one of the Two women roommates. Mm. She is. She has a fiance, and they're fighting, kind of drifting apart, and she's drifting more towards her other roommate. They're mm-hmm. hanging out a lot. Her other roommate is maybe from uh, Arrested oh, Development. Really? I think she's really good in this. Mm-hmm. But the other girl, I think it's purposeful. It, it's purposeful that she's kind of like, um, annoying, annoying, and neurotic a little bit. And, does that ever make it not annoying? Well, that's the thing. It's, it's really annoying. Uh, the film itself, I think, has enough in it to recommend it. It is really light. And I would say if you don't like Woody Allen, don't watch this. If you do like Woody Allen, specifically Manhattan Murder Mysteries, then watch this because there's some really great, fun kind of callbacks and stuff to it. Um, and then they do a device that I really enjoyed in it and I I do like murder mystery plots to begin with, but they do the whole, the people recapping their theory Mm -hmm. while showing you flashbacks of the events happening. And just their way of doing that and intercutting it Mm -hmm. was an interesting kind of cinematic idea, and I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I wish that they tightened it up a little bit. I wish that they did. The one thing I like about Manhattan murder mystery is within all the looseness of a Woody Allen movie, by the end, you do have this kind of tight, you know, thriller aspect where you do kind of feel the characters are in jeopardy and there are stakes. In Wild Canaries, you don't really ever feel that. Um, but as a New York story, mm-hmm. I think it. I think it's interesting. It definitely has merit. Um, so yeah, that's on Netflix.
1: I do want to point out that it has an average of a one-star rating on Netflix.
0: <laughs> Have you looked at the latest <laughs> popular on Netflix now and series?
1: in the more like Wild Canaries on Netflix, the first movie it links to is a movie called Toad Road.
0: <laughs> Have you seen Toad Road? <laughs> no. Okay. It also
1: has an average of one star, though.
0: Um... So popular
1: on Netflix. Oh, there you go. And then Toad Road, more like Toad Road, Resolution.
0: All right, well. Which has an
1: average of two stars.
0: There, done and done. Argument. Thank you for making my argument for me. Yeah, I guess
2: I just...
1: So we talked about my recommendation, my anti-recommendation of Wes Wes Walker at the beginning of the show. So what's your recommendation? I I have to
0: say, out of pure spite, (laughs) I wanted to recommend that you read one article a day from (laughs) rightwingnews.com. And then at the end of the week, check back in with you and see what your outlook on our world is from just a non news uh-huh. website. The Wes Walker equivalent right. of online news. Right. But I decided why why make why pollute the world mm-hmm. even more? Mm-hmm. Um so I, I think I'm gonna give you uh give you an option between two documentaries on Netflix. Okay. One is An Honest Liar. Not sure if you've heard about that. It's about a magician whose life Life's work, it was, I think, to debunk other magicians. Okay. And now there's a documentary where he's kind of taking stock of his life, and apparently there's some darkness or some things that he was hiding in his own life, some hypocrisy there.
1: Uh Uh-huh, of course.
0: And uh, that has a four and a half star average, I think, on Netflix, if that means anything to you. Almost
1: five stars.
0: Almost five stars. So I haven't seen that. Uh, but that's one that I'm really interested in. The other one is called The Immortalists.
1: And they both have old men with really long beards on the cover. Exactly,
0: that's what ties them together. So your recommendation is going to be... What is The Immortalists about? So The Immortalists are about these scientists, and it's a fringe group. And they, they want and they believe that technology can help us live forever, and they see death as a disease that needs to be like beaten. uh Hugh Jackman in uh the found fountain. fountain. Yeah, and and they view death now my personal view on death is it's a part of life. It's part of the cycle. You need death as part of a as a consideration to form a well rounded life. Yeah. You know, we are all you know impacted by death and the threat of death and our relationship to it. You take away that, I don't I'm scared of what the possibilities are. But these guys are really hopeful. And, and my interest in that is, how do you spin a hopeful view of no death? That sounds, to me, very non-hopeful.
1: Yeah, I guess just because you don't have to die. I've always been interested in figuring out if it was at all possible to consume the exact amount of calories and nutrients that your body uses every single day
0: to keep it up and running?
1: No. So that you never had to pee or poop.
0: Oh, you know
1: what I mean? So your body never created any waste.
0: The immortal poops. There's your documentary. I
1: know it's not possible. I've just have always thought it was
0: right. Like everything you eat goes to something. And you're just a fully actualized human being. You are... I have no waste.
1: The most highly efficient machine possible.
0: I could see why you'd be consumed with that idea. (laughs) To become more like a machine. How can I... I've now gotten rid of all emotion in my life. What's next? Eating. (laughs) All right. Well, you've been listening to Everything is Interesting.
1: My name is Justin Blizzard.
0: Are are you going to make a gut call on which recommendation...
1: I'm here with it? Keith Krepko. I will more than likely watch um, the magic one. Okay. Just because I... An
0: honest liar.
1: An honest liar. Magic is interesting to me. But The Immortalist sounds interesting, too. Um, so I might check it out. I will say this. Of the documentaries that feature... Uh, old men with old beards. Old men with very long beards on the cover... An honest liar strikes me as the more le- legitimate one than the immortalist ones.
0: He, for a guy who doesn't believe in death, his beard looks like it died. <laughs> he needs to let that go.
1: Yeah. Um, you can find links to everything we talked about in uh, this episode in the show notes or at our website, eipodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Blizzard with nine Z's.
0: And I want to challenge anybody listening to this to join my current challenge, which is to gain listeners to this podcast by doing no promotion. <laughs> so, rule number one of uh, this podcast is you don't talk right about this podcast. Yeah. And let's see how many people we can get through literally no publicity.
1: Yeah. No, that's fine with me. And I think we'll talk a little bit about this in the True Detective po- the, True Detect- the True Detective podcast we do, which we're recording after this because we got some reviews for it. But at this point, yeah, I'm kind of like, I'm doing this. Obviously, we don't do it for the money. We just do it because it's something we enjoy doing. So because of that, I really don't care. Neither do I. About... That's not to say I don't appreciate when people leave reviews, but like I'm not going to push for it because I don't typically leave reviews for things. but I do really appreciate the, some of the feedback we've gotten.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I'm being kind of serious. Yeah, like, like I do like the idea of a podcast whose story is they don't have a Twitter, right? They don't advertise. Yeah. They've just recorded for fifteen years and they're still going. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, the
1: podcast is less about the podcast, right, and getting the podcast name out there, as it is providing an interesting discussion for people to listen to, right? Because that's what I've always wanted. From that's what that's why I listen to podcasts because I want that discussion. So that's kind of what I'm. I'm not necess- I'm not that interested in following a podcast Twitter feed and
0: you yeah. know what I mean, yeah, I, I don't know that I follow one.
1: Alright, so that, that's... Uh,
0: oh wait, I do. Best do of three. Yeah. There you go.
1: Um, so that does it for this week's episode. We will uh, do whatever we do during the week.
0: And <laughs> not then, promote this. And not we'll, talk
1: about it. We'll be back next week to talk about it. So we will uh, see you then.